Welcome to the Small Business Sessions from Enterprise Nation, sponsored by Starling Bank. We're a podcast packed with inspiration from entrepreneurs who've been there and done it, and advice from experts on the topics you need to know to start and grow a brilliant business. Head to enterprisenation.com forward slash podcast for more information. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Welcome back to the Small Business Sessions from Enterprise Nation, sponsored by Starling Bank. I'm Dan Martin, a small business journalist, and big thanks for joining us for this week's episode. Now, how good are you at managing your business finances? It's a crucial task and a constant one for any entrepreneur. So this week, we're sharing tips on how you can do it. And joining us to give advice on that very subject is Joanna Drinkwater, who is an experienced chartered accountant, chief executive of Grant McKnight, and an advisor on Enterprise Nation. So welcome, Joanna. Well, well, thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. So obviously, as I said, this this um, subject this week is all about finances and managing your finances. And as an experienced accountant, you know all about that. So just to set the scene very briefly, because you've had lots of experience all, all over the place in the world of finance, do you want to just sort of give us a, a quick run through of you and uh, your experience? Yes, I will do. So um, I started off my career with um, a graduate scheme with PwC. So I started off in audit where I had exposure to auditing businesses, mainly Midlands-based manufacturing, pharmaceutical companies, public sector organisations, NHS. And my experience as I studied my chartered accountant qualification with PwC was second to none, having that exposure early on to how large organisations operate and especially auditing, which essentially means ensuring all of the figures in an organization's financial accounts are accurate, gave me the best business grounding. Now, after qualifying, so gaining my chartered accountancy qualification, I moved over from audit to advisory. And in my role in advisory, I then stepped up to the next level to understand how businesses operate from a holistic approach, really, not just looking at the financials, but looking at the financials, looking at the advisory, looking at the processes, systems. Now, I left PwC back in, gosh, 2010, Mm -hmm. and I went traveling, actually, for, Mm -hmm. for a year, came back, didn't know what I wanted to do, but decided I didn't want to go back to full time audit. So I started contracting choosing contracts, varying different exposure to organisations. So I contracted for Department for Education, NHS, large FTSE companies. And for 10 years, I carried on doing contracting while setting up my own business. Mm -hmm. So my first business I set up when I was 24, a travel business, set that up um, from scratch with a friend at the time. And I didn't know it at the time, but I had to present a business plan and cash flow forecast to NatWest. Mm. At the age of 24, as a female, that's quite a daunting thing to do in 2010. So um, that was my my first exposure to a startup and and gaining funds. Mm. So I grew that business very quickly. And then after six years, sold sold the business. I grew it to a quarter of a million sales in, in three years. We had contracts with with large universities. And then um, I kind of took a decision to stop that business. It was a lifestyle choice. And then I decided I want to pursue accountancy and advisory as a career. So I I worked my way up to finance director, finance business partner for Goodyear Dunlop. 
And that's the point where I thought, okay, I, I want to set it by myself now. I want to help other business owners start up, grow, scale up. And the rest is history, as they say. So yeah. I started my firm, Grant McKnight, two years ago. And a year ago, it was just myself. And I've now got 10 staff. And I'm looking to, to grow the advisory side of the practice. Wow. Wow. The 10 already from in a year. That's that's brilliant. And it's I like, but that's great to hear you had you had a startup yourself. So you you, you know what it's like and you know how important managed those finances are. Um, so, <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. So just generally, like, how can a business owner say, you know, that's already trading, assess the financial health of their business? What, what are the things they need they need to check? So I would firstly strip it down to basics. Now, as a, as a business owner, when you're looking at your financials, I do understand that there are lots of different areas that you may not be familiar with. And it's quite a daunting task. But when you strip it down to basics and you're looking at the financial health of your company, essentially, can you pay next month's bills with last month's income? It's all about the cash flow. So first and foremost, do you understand what your expenditure and your committed outgoings are. Now, that doesn't need to be a huge fancy cash flow forecast put together by a chartered accountant. It can be as simple as listing out all of your planned outgoings and understanding how much you need to pay out in the next day. How much do you need to pay out in the next week, month, three months, six months, year? Once you can understand all of your outgoings, look at your planned income. So what are your sales project projections looking like? And very quickly, you should be able to step back and assess the financial health in terms of the cash flow for the business by saying, okay, well, if these are my planned overheads and expenditure, do my forecast sales cover that? And like I said, if you're looking at that on a, a monthly basis or even a weekly basis, you should be able to identify where you've got cash flow gaps. Mm. Now, aim of the game is to always be in credit. Now, when you're starting up in business, most businesses make losses in their first few years because you need to spend money to make money. So that's where having your, your kind of financial health in terms of the cash flow forecast, I believe is first and foremost. So that's cash flow. Another way to assess your financial health is what is the net position, net assets or liabilities of my business today. So in counting terms, you're looking at your balance sheet, but in non-accounting technical jargon, how much do all my assets total? Mm. So have I got a, a laptop? Have I got office equipment? Have I got cash in the bank? Have I just had funding, which is there as funds to be spent? Or am I owed debtor invoices from my first sales where the money hasn't quite come in yet? So if you can look at what your net assets are worth, then you can also look at what your net liabilities are. So have you committed to pay any suppliers? Do you have any outstanding invoices that you need to pay? Have you got any creditors that you need to account for? Have you got any liabilities such as asset finance? Have you purchased equipment on finance? Have you taken out the loan? Have you got funding? So if you can establish what your net liabilities are, adding your net liabilities to your net assets will give your company's net worth. Mm. And obviously, if that's positive, great. And if it's negative, 
no worries. If you're starting out and you need funding, then that would be expected. So those are the two ways that I would recommend assessing the financial health of your business. First and foremost, do you understand the cash flow? And secondly, do you understand your business's net worth? Mm. Fabulous. That was a brilliant answer. You covered so much there. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> no problem. Um, do you think, I mean, it's a, sort of a generalisation, a hard question to answer, but what are your thoughts generally on, on British businesses? And, you know, do they do, they do a, jo- a good job at, at managing their finances? Obviously, people <laughs> like you wouldn't exist if, uh, if everyone could do it themselves. But what are your general thoughts on the sort of state of Absolutely. So, from speaking to many different business owners of varying sizes, a lot of people come to us once they get in trouble. They don't come to us beforehand to plan. Mm -hmm. And if we're taking British business owners as a stereotypical group, then a lot of business owners, I would say, like to run before they can walk. Mm -hmm. They get so kind of excited and kind of not blinkered, but you get your head into the, the day-to-day running of the business because that's that's what you need to do. You need to make sure that your customers are happy, your suppliers are happy, that the financials always kind of get put to the back burner. And a lot of business owners that we work with, it's not, not because of ignorance, it's basically because they don't understand. And it's also that bury the head in the sand mentality where VAT, payroll, it's all a bit of a minefield and you don't quite know where to start because a lot of it is accounting technical jargon. Mm. Mm. So I would say a lot of British businesses on average have got their operations absolutely nailed. However, the financials always seem to be an afterthought. Mm. So it's always a, a playing catcher, not a yeah. let's start from the outset with some cloud accounting and an accountant. It's right. I've got letters coming through from HMRC about filing my first corporation tax return or yeah. I've had an email about VAT and I don't know what to do. So I would say that most, most in general, I would say that British businesses don't tend to look at the financials or consider them until further on down the line. Mm. Yeah, that's very true. It's that you said the, le- the letter from HMRC. Oh, no, I need an The brown envelope. Now. The brown envelope, exactly. As a freelancer, I know what that's like. Um, but um, <laughs> but uh, so, what would you say then? You, obviously, you are an accountant, but I guess you would say, you know, very early on, get get like either I suppose accounting software or a good accountant on board in some way. Is that something you'd recommend quite early on in your startup journey? It is. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I would say that any business needs to understand what your your financial obligations are and reporting compliance obligations are with Companies House and HMRC early on. And if that's something that you're unable to do yourself, then I would seek external help. Mm. Now, in terms of looking for an accountant and engaging an accountant early on, an accountant can actually sit down with you and help you put together your detailed cash flow forecast, business plan, can implement from day one your financial systems and controls and help you get onto cloud accounting. What does that mean in in, in normal terms? (laughs) It means, so if you start a business and start collecting all your receipts, invoices, stack up the paperwork, put them in a shoebox, rather than going to your accountant after your first year of trading and saying, here's all my receipts accounts, you want to be set up the correct way from day one and in 2021 
There are so many platforms out there, cloud accounting software that can help you manage your bookkeeping, finances, will integrate with your business bank account. You can even do all your invoicing, your debt chasing via cloud accounting cloud accounting platforms. So anyone looking at starting a business or if you're just starting a business, I would highly recommend speaking to an accountant. Now, I understand that in early days, it may be daunting the the thought of going to an accountant because the the main thing when you're starting a business is you're cutting costs Mm -hmm. and people's initial perceptions are accountants are expensive. However, if you're looking to, to go into business for the long run, you need to make sure that you're starting out correctly from the outset. And a business advisor or accountant can help you do that. Mm. Fabulous. Um, you mentioned there chasing invoices and, you know, late payment is such a massive issue for, for small businesses. And, the you know, the figures are stark, aren't they? The, the, the billions that the businesses are chasing, you know, the government is doing, you know, is making efforts to, to do it with like the small business commissioner and, but what, what is your advice? You mentioned there that accounting software can help, but what is your advice to the small business owners that are chasing you know, unpaid invoices? So communication is key. Mm. Do you understand who all of your debtors are? And by debtors, I mean your customers that you've sold to but haven't collected the sales income yet. So again, you can use software, but my advice would be, communicate with your customers and suppliers from day one to say I'm a small business if I'm going to sell a product or service to you my payment terms are let's say for argument's sake 30 days now if your your client is fully aware of your payment terms and understands that you're a small business then they should understand that the payment within 30 days is crucial to your cash flow if, if, for example, you're just starting out and you haven't had that communication with your clients or, or customers and 30 days passes and you haven't even noticed that that invoice is overdue, if you're just one of many suppliers to that customer who may not even realise that you're a small business, paying you may not even be on their radar. Mm. So what I, what I would advise is setting reminders can be simple as if I know that I've issued an invoice to a customer and I want payment in 30 days after two weeks when there's two weeks to the due date pick up the phone give them a call are you on track to pay my invoice by x date simple as that if the answer is no then you know that you have a problem and you have to plan for your cash flow but like I said communication is key especially early on for a small business The Small Business Sessions are sponsored by Starling Bank. Wouldn't it be nice if business banking was just easy? If it told you exactly what payments were coming up, automatically categorised all those fiddly business expenses and connected with your accounting software to share your transactions in real time. Now imagine all that, but with no monthly fees, no branch visits, no card readers and 24-7 in-app support whenever you need it. Starling Bank's 100% digital accounts are reimagining business banking for how the world works now. Download the app and apply for an account today from your phone. It only takes a few minutes. What are your thoughts on like interest? Because, you know, legally, business owners can do it. It's, it's sort of law, isn't it, that you can impose interest on 
you, but a lot of businesses are a bit put off because they thought, you know, is this, it's this, I'm going to lose the client in the future. What are your thoughts on that as a, as a tactic? I would say as a small business, I personally would find it harder to keep track of adding interest onto overdue debtors. True. As a large business, yes, absolutely. But for a small business, I would say that charging interest with any overdue invoices early on, I, I wouldn't advise advise to do that purely because if you're just starting out in business, you've got your, your reputation to uphold and it, it's not necessary if you're going to be on top of chasing your debtors. Mm, yeah, that's a very good point. You mentioned there, I thought it was interesting how you said if, a, if the, the client knows that you're a small business, you know, they should know that getting this invoice paid is important. So I guess is that something else you should maybe suggest, you know, a small business owner should emphasize because it could get lost. They might not know, you know, let people know I am a small business. So, you know, this one invoice matters. That might make a uh, difference, I guess. Absolutely. And there is, I can't remember the name of it, but there is a collective where people, especially during the past year with COVID, have, have joined for a collective to say, look, small business collective, I'm going to pay all my suppliers in 30 days mm. and I expect all of my debtors to pay me within 30 days. Mm. So, yes, it does make a difference because if you're a large corporation and you know that you've got a small business owner who relies on that income, you might not even, you know, it might not even touch the sides of a large company. But if you know that that person is relying on that invoice to pay to pay for you know bills etc then they're more inclined to put you to the top of their supplier payment list mm, that's a really good point on all invoices p.s i am a small business <laughs> i'm a small business please pay within 30 days hashtag, small, hashtag small business i'm going to start definitely that's a great, that's a great point. um you mentioned this past year and obviously do it, doing a podcast in 2021 on, on any topic really we have to mention the pandemic and you know the impact on small businesses. So, what has it been like for you and, and your clients in terms of finances? How, how have you found it with the businesses that you've been talking to? It's been really hard, Dan. You know, it's mm. not been a walk in the park for the past year. If I was to generalise my client base overall, I've got a real mixed bag. Some clients have absolutely flown and have thrived throughout this pandemic because their services need for services has increased for example takeaway delivery outlets so my 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 um you know my my takeaway delivery clients have been flying yeah software companies have been flying one one of my technology companies that does apps as soon as the pandemic hit they went round to all of the small kind of cafes restaurants in their area and said we can make you an app so that you can still operate and do takeaways and deliveries mm. But for a lot of businesses, they've found it really hard, mainly because it's it's a bit of a question mark as to when things will go back to normality. So if we rewind 12 months, April 2020, a lot of my clients didn't know when this was going to end. So we were originally told towards the end of March, lockdown will be a couple of, or a few weeks. So hairdresser, beauty salon clients thought, okay, just a few weeks of closure and then we'll go back to normal. Some of my clients in the beauty and hair industry didn't open again until much later, in the, later on in the year. Mm. So we had to very quickly sit down and go, right, are there any grants available for the business to help pay your rent and overheads while you're closed? Do we need to look to put staff on furlough? 
Do we need to look at funding gaps in your cash flow forecast? And if there are funding gaps, do we need to consider taking out bounce back loans, for example? Mm. Now, again, when we looked at where we were last year, we didn't know when this pandemic would end. So conserving cash, to me, was a main priority for those clients. Mm. Um, have you found you've 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 kept most clients, you know. I, I guess they've. Have they, I guess in a way, many of them have seen that you're even more important. I guess have they to help you help them through it. Is that what you found? Yes, absolutely. So we we've only lost two clients, but then right. that's because they have gone out of business. They've taken a decision not to reopen, right. and one of them has gone into full time employment, and the other one has retired. Right. So during during this whole COVID-19 business pandemic, very early on, I started sending out emails to all of my clients and, and wider network, just summarising the latest government business updates mm. and putting it into just normal layman terms and giving people the right links and tools to understand what the government helped meant mm. and what it meant for, for clients if they were eligible and what they had to do if they wanted to apply mm. so we gave that additional assistance to all of our clients at no extra charge we also didn't charge for furlough claims to our payroll clients right. because we saw that as they're having to furlough their staff at the moment because they can't afford the payroll so it's no skin off our nose to do a couple of furlough claims Granted, if, you know, clients had 99 people on furlough, then mm. the claim could get quite large. But we mm. were quite lucky in that no furlough claims exceeded about 40. Right. So we were there for clients and we were finding that as soon as new announcements were made, people would turn to us for help and to see what it meant for them. Mm. Yeah, I was. Um, so one of my roles at Enterprise Nation last year was also going through all of that that government support and I'm sure, like me, you got very used to gov.uk and looking at that <laughs> website and looking at guidance. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. It was, uh, <laughs> and I think I, I think you're right. Small business owners themselves struggled with it, so it was up to advisors. You mentioned at the start about how, in your first business, you know, you you, you presented with this opportunity to, for a business plan. So that's another thing uh, business owners sort of hear hear about at the start of the journey, but also, you know, if they're going for funding from both a bank and and investors. So, what's your advice on a on crafting a great business plan? So again, business plans can be as extensive and comprehensive as you see fit, or they can be as simple as taking a notepad and writing down what's your business's unique selling point? What is your key USP? What is your business idea? And then looking at who are my customers? What's my ideal customer? What's their demographic? Where's their geographical location? Who are my competitors? Who else is out there doing what I want to do? What are they charging? How are they reaching their potential customers? Who are their suppliers? Moving on to suppliers, who am I going to rely on to help me produce my products or tailor my services? Who are going to be my suppliers? Always do your research market research what are the current prices out there for my products or services what's the the risk appetite for for potentially buying my services or products and then looking at what they call a swot analysis 
What are my business's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats? And then lastly, the financials, which is your cash flow forecast. And like I said earlier, it can be as simple as just lifting out your planned expenditure and your planned forecast income sales and identifying where you could potentially have gaps. Fabulous. Well, that was so good. We've t- we've covered so much in, in that, that time, Joanna. Thank you so much for, for sharing that advice. I'm, I'm sure the, the listeners will find it super useful. And obviously, um, check out uh, Joanna uh, from Grant McKnight, but you can also find Joanna on the Enterprise Nation platform. She's one of our many engaged advisors, and you can connect with Joanna there. Well, once again, Joanna, thank you so much for those tips, and, and big thanks for joining us on the Small Business Sessions. Thanks for having me, Dan. Thank you. You've been listening to the Small Business Sessions from Enterprise Nation, sponsored by Starling Bank. Head to enterprisenation.com forward slash podcast for more information. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe, and we'll see you next time.